in your word and, and try to feed your sheep. So, Lord, I pray you help me to put something on the table tonight that help our people on down the road in days to come. And what you do, we'll thank you and we'll give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I have been stuck on these first mentions in Genesis 22. We preached last Sunday night on the first mention of worship in the Bible, out of verse number 5. This morning we preached on the first mention of the word provide here in Genesis 22. Uh, there is also the first mention of love that is found in verse number 2 of our text. I would like to get to that one if we can. But the Lord showed me uh, one this morning uh, that I didn't realize was the first mention and it is found in verse number 1, after these things, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. This is the first time in our Bible that the word tempt is used. Now, I've said this over and over again. I want to emphasize that this is not a solicitation to sin. James chapter 1 is very clear that God does not tempt man uh, to sin. There's a lot of people, they want to blame their sin on God. Well, if I had been raised in a different family, or if I was this, or, or if I was that, or if my circumstances was different, God could have done something different, and I wouldn't be like this. No, man sins uh, because man makes choices that goes against God's Word and against God's law. And you know what? Uh, and, and this is another the pet peeve of mine. Uh, I, I saw a flyer today of a Baptist preacher, uh, and I got to be careful. I'm online, uh, but a Baptist preacher that I know uh, that is uh, uh, that is. Th- He's local, uh, preaching in a meeting with men that are non-King James. I have a problem with that. I'm not preaching on a platform with a man. If I know it, if I know it, and, and with, with Facebook and Google now, it's not hard to find out. And, and, and when I said all that to say this, they'll, they'll take words and say, well, this word tempt, it means to try or to prove. And that's exactly right. And they'll say, well, instead of educating the people on what this word means, we just need to change the word. No, we don't need to dumb down God's Word. We need to study to show ourselves approved unto God. We need to crack a dictionary, amen. We need to study, study words, study etymology, and find out what God says. I'm telling you now, you've got all the uh, library you need right here on this phone. By way. You can look up, find out what a word means. Uh, not because God's Word is wrong. It's because our English language has so deteriorated uh, that we're so dumb, we don't know what words mean anymore. Somebody help me. And when we see this word tempt, we automatically uh, think of something bad. We think of something wicked. But this word tempt here, being the first time it's used in our Bible, it means to test. It means to try or to prove. Here's what James said in James chapter 1. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall in the diverse temptations. Is James saying you ought to shout for joy uh, when you're tempted to say the wrong thing or watch the wrong thing? No, that's not what he's saying. He's talking about counting all joy when you fall in the divers' temptations, knowing this, that the, the context always defines the words. Knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. God is trying Abraham's faith. God is tempering Abraham's faith. God is testing Abraham's faith in this text. And for a few minutes tonight, I want to preach on this thought, faith on trial. 
faith on trial. I know that in James 1, when James is talking about the trial of our faith, he said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. In other words, if you find yourself in a trial, if you find yourself in a testing, this goes against some preaching I've heard, but it is not a sin to ask God. It's not a sin to ask God a question because He said in James 1, 5, Be a man like wisdom, let him ask of God. In other words, if you don't know, ask God. I've heard people, hey, but ain't supposed to ask, you ain't supposed to question God. You ain't supposed to ask God a question. I understand we're not supposed to question God's authority, uh, but God don't mind you asking a question because His own Son on the cross said, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? It's not a sin to ask God a question. How are you going to learn anything if you don't ask some questions? Amen. I, 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 Brittany's got a job at Chick-fil-A, and uh, she, uh, I asked her, I said, how much are you making an hour? I don't know. I said, when do you get paid? I don't know. I said, well, don't you think that's some good information to find out? I, I don't know. And uh, I am raising teenagers ten years before my time, all right? Uh, but it's all right. I'm like, ah. And so she got her check today, and I opened. I'm like, okay, you're making what I was making when I got married, all right? Uh, but what I'm saying uh, is, uh, is, is that uh, you, if you're not going to learn anything if you don't ask questions. You gotta find things out. So Abraham here, the Lord is tempting Abraham. You know, this trial makes no sense in Abraham's life. Abraham's faith has faith, but it is being tried. Now I want to emphasize four things about the trial of Abraham's faith or faith on trial tonight. When God tempts your faith, when God tries your faith, when God tests your faith. That is really what God is doing. He is putting Abraham to a test in our Scripture tonight. I want to say four things about it. Number one, God constructed this trial. God was the one that designed and constructed this trial in Abraham's life. It was not the devil. I said it again. The devil gets too much credit for things that go wrong. There, I mean, it could, you know, Job, uh, Job, so I said, well, preacher, you know, uh, the devil come against Job, but not until God gave him permission. In other words, uh, God, here's what God said to Job. He said, you, to the devil, he said, you've moved me against Job. That's what Job 2 says. The Lord told the devil, so it was God that I know the devil came against Job, but in reality it was God because God allowed the devil to get to Job. So the devil gets a lot of credit, but I want to remind you tonight that God is the one that designs our trials. Watching this text, he had a specific person in mind. Abraham? By the way, trials always have people involved. Specific people. And we don't mind when the Lord, when the devil, when the Lord says, have you considered my servant Job? But we get real nervous when the Lord says, have you considered my servant? And He brings your name up. I want to live so He can, but I hope that He don't. Amen. I'd rather Him say, have you considered my servant Richie? (laughs) than my servant Josh. And He would reciprocate it my way as well. What I'm saying tonight, we ought to live where God could. We better pray that God would not. It's a specific person. God chose him for this trial. You realize the trials that we go through, God chose us for that trial. And God called him to that trial. God, Watch this now. God took Abraham to the trial. He didn't bring the trial to Abraham. Ain't that weird? There's a specific person. 
There's a spiritual purpose after these things that God did. Tempt Abraham. This word tempt here comes from the word tempered. Some of you know about that word tempered. I was reading today, tempering is a heat treatment uh, heat treatment technique applied uh, to aloes, steels, or cast iron. Here's the purpose, and you men that's done this know what I'm talking about. It is to achieve greater toughness by decreasing the hardness of aloe. If I've understood that definition right, they will temper things to make them stronger. So God, amen, God is putting Abraham through a tempering time, through a trying time, through a testing time. And he has a spiritual purpose. He's trying to make him stronger. I feel like God's trying to kill me. He ain't trying to kill you. He's trying to make your faith stronger. He is trying to develop your faith so you'll grow and walk closer to Him in the days to come. If you believe that, say amen. God does not waste trials. Here's what Peter says, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found in the praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. This is what God is doing in the life of Abraham. He is putting him through a temptation, a testing, or a trial for the purpose of strengthening his faith. Well, preacher, I ain't in a trial tonight. Well, God might have us preach this to file it back so when the trial does come, we can remember this trial is not meant to destroy us. This trial is meant to develop us. Warren Wearsby, one of my favorite writers, He said, temptations come from our desires within us, while trials come from the Lord who has a special purpose to fulfill. Temptations, listen to this now, temptations are used by the devil to bring out the worst in us. But trials are used by the Holy Spirit to bring out the best in us. Did you get that statement? Temptations are used by the devil to bring out the worst in us. But trials are used by the Holy Spirit to bring out the best in us. Amen. All believers face similar temptations to sin, but not all believers experience the same trials. And God never sends a test. You listening now? God never sends a test in the school of faith until He knows that the student is ready for it. I'm not in homeschooling. I'm not going to give Dax to an 8th grade or ninth grade algebra test. You know why? He ain't ready for it. But he is ready for addition and subtraction and multiplication. He is ready for that. But he's not ready for that algebra. Well, preacher, I just don't feel like I can handle this. Yes, you can, because God put it through you. He knows you can handle it. In fact, you really can't handle it without Him. That's the whole point of it, is we might depend on Him. God had a a specific person. He had a spiritual purpose, but he has a sovereign plan in verse 1. He said, Take him, uh, the eyes of whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering <coughs> upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. God had planned all this out in his sovereign will. Abraham don't know the plan, nor do he understand the plan. He's just part of the plan. You ever feel like you're in somebody else's world and you're just living in it? That's what you are. You're in God's world and you're living in it. And God designs things. God's planned things. God arranges things for His sovereign purpose and His sovereign will. The Calvinists like to take that as well. Whatever be shall be. And they, we ain't going to do nothing spiritual. We're not going to try to witness anybody. No, that's not, that's not right. But I'm telling you, there is a sovereign God who has a plan, who has a purpose, who has a will. And it is His will. Uh, and it, it is His desire to work out His own will in our lives for His honor and glory. 
So God constructed this trial. But then secondly, I would say that God controlled this trial. He controlled the who in this trial. Isaac. Thy only son Isaac. Sometimes God will include people that you love in your trials. Did you get that? This is not, Brother Rich, this ain't Isaac's trial. This is Abraham's trial. But Isaac's a part of it. And sometimes you're going to get pulled into something that's not yours. It's somebody else's. But because you love them, maybe a family member, might be a church, uh, might be a, a fellow believer in Christ, you're going to get pulled into things like Isaac did. He controlled the who. But then he controlled the whereabouts. Get thee to the land of Moriah. We we reminded that Moriah means chosen by Jehovah. God chose the place of this trial. God chose the area, the whereabouts, the what, the where of this trial. And then He controlled the way of this trial. Offer Him there for a burnt offering. God was in control of the details. No, Abraham was not in control of this trial. And you and I are not been given the privilege to control our trials. You know why we're not controlling our trials? Because if we controlled our trials, we would never, we would never put ourselves to the things that we go through because we don't like trouble. By the way, I don't like trouble either. Y'all like trouble? Y'all look at me like, yeah, ain't that bad. I don't like trouble. I don't like trials. I don't like, I, one of the reasons I hated Bible college because I had tests. Ain't that horrible? I'm a preacher and I hated tests in Bible college. Somebody said, did you cheat in Bible college on your test? I cannot tell a lie. I'm just telling you. I mean, I'm trying to pass, man. I'm just telling you. All right. Amen. And I still didn't graduate. Y'all can tell by that. But I wrote more books and, amen, I'm not saying, uh, two. But what I'm saying, of, of course, by the time Miss Linda got done with it and got all my stuff, all right, she looked smart, amen. Where were you at 12 years ago when I was in college? I got a whole lot better grades, amen. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying is we don't choose our trials. We don't choose how they work out. We don't choose the way they work out. You didn't choose what you got. A million years you wouldn't choose that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't choose a, Deal with that circumstance. Vonda, Stephanie, in a million years, you wouldn't choose that eight-month span in your life. You'd never choose that. Miss Janice, you'd never choose the nine-year span of your life. You would never choose that. You wouldn't choose... Shirley, you wouldn't choose all Steve's went through. You wouldn't never choose that. I don't. You wouldn't choose him having his leg amputated. Not being able to preach, not being able to pastor anymore, you wouldn't choose that. You wouldn't choose taking care of your mom for the last five, six years of her life. You wouldn't choose that. We would, none of us would choose that. That's why we got to understand that we ain't control the trials. Because we, we wouldn't choose those things. You wouldn't choose what you're doing right now. Not in a million years. That's, that's where we have the problem. I wouldn't choose this. God knows that. That's why He chose it for us. Boy, I hope this makes sense. God, God constructed this trial, and God was in control of this trial. But don't miss this: you didn't choose it. The Lord chose it, right? Don't you think He loves you? Don't you think He cares about you? Don't you think His? We sing His. Miss Leah sing the song. His eyes on the sparrow. I know His eyes watching me. We agree with that tonight. 
So I'll encourage you in the fact He chose this not because He hates me. Because He loves me. That's easy preaching because I've not been through many of them. But the ones I have, I wouldn't have chosen them. But you know what you got to do? you got to look back and say, well, the Lord chose this. He's the one that loves me and gave His Son for me. And so He must not be out to hurt me. He must not be out to destroy me. He must not be out to ruin my life. You know, you take... And, and I know what time it is, but we've, we've rushed out here the last two Sunday nights in a row because we've had obligations. But you know, you take you take seed. I remember Lady Davis preaching here. You're talking about that seed sitting on the shelf, thinking it's all ready to go, and it's, it, it's really something. And one day the farmer comes by and grabs that seed and puts it in a grave and buries it. And it looks like the life of that seed's over. That seed wouldn't choose that. And then all of a sudden it starts raining. Storms come. But what that seed don't realize is if it's going to grow, God's going to have to bury it and put it through a storm if there's going to be any fruit come out of it. Boy, we don't like when God puts us in a dark place. We don't like when God sends the storms. You know how God waters His garden? With with the storms. Everybody that has a garden prays for rain. You realize that rain is a storm. <laughs> and we want to grow. Lord, I want to grow. Grow in grace, okay? God's going to let it start thundering. God constructed this trial. God was in control of this trial. I want to encourage you tonight. God's in control. God was in control of Genesis 22. He's in control of all of it. Y'all wouldn't choose January. I mean, within 10 days, you bury your mama. You bury your daddy. Ten days. You didn't choose that. Apparently that was God's purpose. And what's bad is we wouldn't choose it and we can't change it. As much as we want to change it, as much as a pastor, sometimes you walk in and you feel helpless. Because I know y'all don't think this as a pastor. You walk in you think, pastor here to fix it. I can't fix it. I finally just replaced a windshield wiper switch on my truck. That's only because I had a YouTube video. There ain't a YouTube video for broken families. There ain't a YouTube video for bad hospital reports. There ain't a YouTube video for funeral homes. There ain't, there ain't, 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 ain't nothing to how-to. You can't choose and you can't even do anything about it. But we've got to remember God's the ones in control. God constructed that trial. And God is in control of that trial. You might be in a trial now. I don't know what the hearts are. You might be facing something that nobody knows about. But I want to remind you, God's in control of it. Here's the third thing. God constructed this trial. God was in control of this trial. But don't miss this. God was close in this trial. Because He's up on that mountain. He lays Isaac on that altar. How close was He? Well, He was close enough to see. Would you look in verse number 12? Verse number 12. And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do I anything unto him. For I know uh, that thou fearest God, watch this now, seeing that hast not withheld thy son, thy only son from me. God saw Abraham through the trial. He's close enough to see. He sees you tonight. He sees the circumstance. He sees the trial. He sees... Y'all know I don't preach like this much, but I just got heavy on my heart tonight. He sees that. He's close enough to see. He's close enough to speak. Verse number, verse number 11, the angel of the Lord called him out of heaven. You know, I, uh, Elijah's, 
1 Kings 18, he's walked before the false prophets of Baal, said, your God's not real, he's fake, let's have a contest. God answered by fire, proved he was Jehovah, killed those 400 prophets of Baal, Elijah killed them, took them down by the river and said, line up, I'm going to kill y'all. Read it, it's what he did. What a cool preacher. 1 Kings 19, Jezebel gets after him. Ain't amazing, 400 he kills 400 prophets and one woman put him on the run. And he sits down under that juniper tree. He just wants to die. And then he goes and gets in that cave, that dark place. God never told him to get in that cave. You know what happens? The Bible says in 1 Kings uh, chapter number 19, i got the verses marked up here because I, I wanted to emphasize this. Y'all all right? He says, 1 Kings 19, that the Lord passed by in a great... Strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. How many of y'all have a spouse that walks through the house giving you instructions, talking to you, and does it like this. I want you to take out the trash, mop the floors, and then gets mad when you say, Huh? You don't listen to me. <laughs> well, stay in the same zip code when you're giving me instructions, please. <laughs> she do that too? My wife does that. It must be a woman thing. Amen. Does Rhonda do that? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Amen. Still small voice. That ain't Elijah. And what that is, believe it or not, I'm pretty loud. I'm I'm pretty. Charles, I thought you was on my side, buddy. Amen. But still small voice ain't hollering. In fact, I'm gonna turn my mic off for a second, Jared. So don't don't you ain't got to touch nothing. Okay, I got it back here. All right. back there. Now, he couldn't hear that still small voice 40 feet away. When I got close to him, he heard me. Here's Elijah. I ain't going to make it. God walks up and says, Elijah. It wasn't, it wasn't in that big earthquake. God had moved in the earthquake before. God had moved in the fire before. God had moved in the wind before. He had moved in the fire in the previous chapter. But what Abraham didn't, or Elijah didn't need a fire. He needed a still, small voice. And what I was doing, I was reminding Elijah, I'm right here. He was close enough to speak. He was close enough to see. He was close enough to supply. Abraham's got that knife back. And the angel of the Lord calls out and he turns around and there's a ram right there behind him. Right there. One preacher said, Abraham and Isaac walking up this side and God's leading that ram up this side of the mountain. They never saw each other until they needed to see each other. That's how close he is tonight. Here's the last thing. I hope, I hope this has made sense. God constructed this trial. God controlled this trial. God was close in this trial. But then God confirmed some things in this trial. Here's the first thing He confirmed. We've not read these verses in, in, in the preaching we've done. 
But he confirmed his character. Verse number 15, The angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. That's his character. He said, Abraham... I've sworn. I made some promises to you. Remember last night I talked about that covenant and how, and the Lord let me see this Thursday night while I was preaching, how they cut across the wrist and they make that scar so that when they looked down at their hand, they'd remember they had covenant one with another. Well, remember, Abraham can't keep covenant with God. So Abraham didn't cut into his wrist and make that scar. But I'm reminded that the Lord Jesus has wounds in both hands because He made covenant with Himself. And every time he looks at there's no scars in my hands tonight. But there's scars on wounds in his hands. Scars in his hands. That's reminded of that covenant. And he said, Abraham, by myself have I sworn. He proved, he confirmed God's character. The Hebrew writer said when he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. Which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. The character of God. But then he, he confirmed the, the covenant of God. All them verses, what did he do? He went back through... And he confirmed all those promises that he had made to Abraham. Let's read it. By myself have I sworn, said the Lord, for thou hast done this, for because thou hast done this thing, and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sandwiches upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. What is the big deal about Abraham? Why is this such a big deal? Y'all still with me? Why is this such a big deal? Because from Abraham comes the Jews. Well, why are the Jews such a big deal? Because from the Jews came the Scriptures. Romans 3, 2 said to the Jews, given the oracles of God. But hang on, there's something more came from them Jews. From the Jews came the Savior. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 1, the Bible says, Matthew 1, 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. What is going on on Mount? What is going on on Mount Moriah that day? God is confirming His covenant that there's one coming, and it confirmed the conduct of Abraham because thou hast obeyed my voice. Abraham passed the test. Abraham is a type of God the Father in our text because he willingly laid his son on a wooden altar. And God the Father laid His Son on a wooden altar. So because Abraham's faith was tried when he got done, we preach about him. We say, boy, don't he look like God the Father? Willing to lay down His Son. I give this and I'm done. I, this has been so scattered, but this is what was on my heart. Remember I read that verse at the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold, being tried with the fire? That goldsmith, I read, I, I confirmed today, you know a lot of preachers say things they've heard for years that ain't true. I, may, I wanted to make sure of this. That goldsmith, when he's purifying that gold, he'll put it in a furnace. When he puts that gold in a furnace, all the impurities, all the, the Bible calls it, calls it dross, will come up to the top. And that goldsmith will take an instrument, when it comes up to the top, he'll take that instrument, and he'll wipe it away. And then he'll put it back in the furnace again. And the impurities will come back up, he'll take an instrument, and wipe it away. And he will repeat that process over and over again, until he can see his reflection in that gold. 
Job said, But he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, he did not say he would become gold. He said, I shall come forth as gold. He was gold before he went in the fire. But God put him through a furnace, wiping away the dross. So when he come out, he looked more like him. You know why God puts us through trials, through furnaces, through times of pressure, heat, wiping things away, being confident this very thing that He who has begun a good work in you will perform it to the day of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8 talks about He has predestinated us, not heaven or hell, heaven or hell. No, He's predestined us to be conformed to the image of His dear Son. You know what He's doing? He's still working on me. To make me what I ought to be. We sing it with the kids. It's not a kid song. It's a Christian song. It took them just a week to make the moon and stars. The sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. But how loving and how patient He must be. Because He's still working on me. God never... i said this before and I'm done. God don't send Abraham back up to Mount Moriah again. You know why? He passed the test. Pass the test. You don't have to take that one again, Abraham. You passed it. But Genesis 23, the next chapter, Sarah dies. Another test. Oh, when I get this test over, I'll be good. No. Next chapter. It's his son that he loved in chapter 22. It's his spouse that he loved in chapter 23. But Abraham died in Genesis 25, old, full of days. And he's in the hall of faith. Why? Because God put him through some tests. God put him through some trials. By the way, we're using that principle first mentioned, tempt. The Lord tempted Abraham. That tempering is, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, some of you men like to educate me more on tempering. Y'all know me. I'm as ignorant in all these things. But the purpose is to make it stronger. To make it stronger. Why is God putting me through this? Why am I going through this? God's making you stronger. Not so you can boast in yourself. Because Paul said, when I'm weak, then am I strong. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect, is perfected in weakness. Let's stand together. But faith on trial. God's just trying to strengthen our faith. I appreciate your attention tonight. I preached 30 minutes again. I appreciate